Hello and welcome to Books in the Biz. We are back for another exciting episode. Mystery, intrigue, romance. Well, no romance. Lots of numbers, though. <laughs> Financial, operational. Welcome back, Rich. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am wonderful. So recently, we finished a podcast talking about uh, five questions that an owner should be asked or should be asking themselves when they're thinking of stepping back or stepping out. And uh, I wanted to expand on that. Uh, while we talked about the questions, we talked a little bit about what to look for in each of the questions. I think it's now good for maybe the next couple episodes to kind of break down different aspects of succession, uh, pitfalls, roadblocks, how to overcome them. And what that led me to is talking today about the owner, because the owner is the primary link in all this. And I think you probably have a couple of examples, I know I do, yeah. of where maybe the owner wasn't ready to step back, even though they wanted to. And I mean, it's it seems to me that when you're in charge of your own business, it's very hard to let go. I'll give you an example. So I was working with a company once, owner wanted to retire within five years. Perfect. You know, plenty of time to work on on the situation and get him to step out. The problem was he wouldn't give up any control. He was the center of advice. Everyone came to him and there was just no way to get him to let go of that. So it took a lot of time to, to break down what he should be doing versus what he was doing because he felt he needed to get his hands into everything still. And I kept explaining to him, you know, if you're going to control everything, it's going to be very hard for you to step back because the people are now relying on you for the answers. Yeah, I have um, I have several examples of exactly the same thing where the, you know, the business becomes a very big part of the founder slash owner, you know, becomes a big part of their day to day. And, you know, a lot of times they'll even go home at night and it's still business, business, business. It's still what happened today. And, you know, they're just entrenched. So um, it becomes difficult when you start talking about succession or changes or, you know, even just day to day adjustments while you're in the business, you know, let alone what's going to happen when you get to the point where you want to be out of the business. They want to change everything except what they're doing. Is what I find. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it becomes very difficult too, because they've become so used to everything that they're doing being what they consider to be correct. Um, and so it almost starts to build up a wall. So when you come in and say, oh, I've seen this other company who has done this, and that would be so much better if you did it that way. And then they're like, no, no, it, what's going on here works for me. And when it, it's easy when it works for them, right? It's hard when you're asking now an employee to step up and that employee maybe goes out on a limb and actually does try to do something different from what the owner would typically do. And then the owner comes crashing in and says, no, that's not right. You can't do it that way. And then they walk back to their desk with their tail tucked between their legs and they shall never stick their neck out again because the owner doesn't agree with what they're doing. Yeah. So hard to get people to really, you know, take on ownership. And this is what they all want. They want typically people from, from inside 
to start taking on a greater role and ultimately, you know, maybe getting to a point where they're buying them out. It's always easier, you know, the person in the office who knows everything that's going on and can run the company, it's easier to hand it off to them and get a guaranteed payday versus putting it out on the market and trying to find, you know, somebody else. Cause there's, it's root with problems when you got to put your business on the open market. There's costs involved. There's there's valuations that most owners never agree with because they don't understand how the valuation impacts their business or what they've done in the past that causes that valuation to be much, much less than what they expect. Right. And we talked about that in, in uh, one of our other conversations where, you know, sometimes it's more valuable to the person that's already inside as opposed to the newcomer who might look at things very differently or come in as a financial buyer as opposed to a strategic buyer. So, you know, there's a lot of value that could be in, you know, keeping it with the people inside and building, like you said, building the people underneath you to come up and be the next, be the next, uh, be the next you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the operation side, to me, that's, that's the biggest cost they run into is also, um, especially as the employees start knowing that the owner is looking to step away mm-hmm. when they don't see any changes that allow them to take on greater responsibilities, greater leadership, greater accountability. That's when they start walking because now they see the writing on the wall. Well, if, if the boss isn't going to be here and nothing's going to change, this is going to become a, a crap show really quick. And if I'm a good employee, I'm starting to look at my options out where maybe some of the other ones are not. So now, you know, from a cost side for me uh, on the operations end is you start seeing employee turnover or you start seeing less engagement from key individuals because they, they don't believe that the owner is going to be able to, to step back or let go like they want to. And when it comes down to a situation where now they've got to, to take control and, and they've got to step up and, and work has to change, they're not allowed to do that. Yeah. And that has, like you said, that has a cost impact as well. I mean, if you are going out and basically saying, you know, I have to find somebody to replace that owner. And, and we talked about that as well in a different episode and different conversation where, you know, these have valuation impacts where if the owner was doing something a certain way, but to hire someone else to do that same work, it's going to cost more. Valuation people take adjustment for that. They, they really do kind of make an adjustment for what's it going to cost me to put a new leader in there uh, or what's it going to cost? What do I want to make if I have to take that leader's position? Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that impacts um, the overall valuation? So let's say it's a $10 million company owner is ingrained in everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's thinking, well, th- this is worth, you know, we'll just make it simple. One time multiple. It, it's worth ten million dollars, and then you come in and you look at what, and then what does that lead to as far as how the valuation might change? Yeah, well, most people doing that due diligence are going to come in and they're going to look at the bottom line. What's that ten million dollars actually earning? And then they're going to look at what is the owner paying himself. And a lot of times you'll find, I think we saw statistics on this that the owner is actually paying themselves less than some of their highest paid employees. Mm. Um, and then also that means that they're probably paying themselves less than what the market would pay for that position. So 
The problem is the buyer is going to look at it from, I need to replace this person. So if I do that, it's going to cost me more money. So they will decrease the bottom line. So if you're saying you're making a million dollars on that $10 million of revenue, um, you know, they're going to look at it and say, well, you're not really making a million dollars on it. You're making half a million dollars on it. Assuming a very large change in what the market value of the, of the um, CEO or, you know, owner is, and then versus what they're actually paying. So they'll take it from the market position, not from the owner position. So that's going to lower the net income, which lowers the overall multiple. Well, the multiple stays the same, but the multiple times the net income that they're assuming goes down. <laughs> exactly. So overall, their offer price will go down. So yeah. it's, a, it's a significant hurdle that people don't necessarily think is coming. And what I see, you know, when you're talking about positions, um, you know, a president of a small company, you know, five to $10 million, you're probably looking at paying that person roughly 250K a year plus benefits, plus incentives. Uh, I mean, you name it, that total comp for that person might be pushing half a million dollars before you realize it. And that's just the president. Now you, you implement a VP of operations or a COO, not all that much different there, 150, 200 K benefits, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And your core leadership team could easily cost, you know, a, a million dollars or, or more in, in salary and benefits in, in just a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what is your position? If you were going to fill a CFO position, you, you probably know this better than anyone internally, that position is going to be worth what, as far as salary, uh, I mean, that's got to be a full-time CFO with benefits baked in. It's got to be 250 base plus, you know, probably another 20% on top of that between benefits and um, taxes on top. Yep. So that's another 50. It's a $300,000 position, you know, for that full-time high-level person. Um, so if you don't have that person and they feel like it's important to actually have that, you know, covered, they're going to figure that in somehow. So there is a real cost that many of these owners need to be aware of when it comes to replacing who they are in the company. And that cost ideally should start three to five years in advance of them wanting to sell out because ultimately, again, that affects the valuation. They might look at it as an unneeded expense because, of course, they're running everything. If they're running everything, why do they need these people in there? Well, the reason you need those people is because eventually you're not going to be running everything and somebody else will be. Correct. So when it comes to really getting them to to look at the picture and step back, you know, in my opinion, they need to first look internally at themselves. Uh, you know, what I often run into, I kind of alluded to it when we started the podcast, is they are the center of all knowledge. I call them the oracles because <laughs> there's a line out their door of people with all sorts of problems and or challenges that they're coming in to ask questions of the owner, even if they know the answer to it. They're looking for the blessing of the owner to give them permission to do what they believe needs to be done or give them direction. Well, from uh, from an operation side, that's a complete nightmare because one, the owner never goes away. If they go on vacation, they have their phone and they have their laptop and they're constantly checking in or they're constantly getting interrupted and called. Uh, 
but overall, it, it's very difficult for them to relinquish control them because there's a sense of purpose when people are coming to your door. And when they're asking you questions, you feel valued, you feel good. And this is where I think a lot of owners get stuck is they're always looking for that, that dopamine hit when Joe Bob walks in and says, hey, I'm having a problem with this. And you can provide a very quick solution to him. But here's the problem. Joe Bob now hasn't learned how to solve the problem. So guess what happens the next time that same problem reoccurs? He's knocking on your door and he's asking you that question all over again. And I've even heard owners talk about, you know, I'm really tired of answering this question. It seems like every time I tell them, they, they come back and they still ask it again. And that all comes from, again, that risk versus reward. Employees aren't going to stick their neck out if they know the boss is going to have a different idea or they're always going to look for the boss's approval. And path of least resistance kicks in because if the boss is going to tell me what to do, why should I use my gray matter to solve the issue? Right. Um, I had the same issue with uh, a company that I went into that probably had 20 employees and we were working through and trying to figure out some procedures and move things around. And everything I asked, it basically became, well, let's go ask Joe. Joe was the CEO. So it became, well, we need to go ask Joe. Well, when the company grew and it was a global company, they needed somebody to actually push the global side of it. And the CEO went and was working out of Perth, Australia. They couldn't ask Joe as much because Joe was on a 12 hour different time zone. <laughs> so um, people working at eight o'clock, it was eight o'clock at night for Joe. So, <laughs> so it started to solve itself. Um, but I just found it interesting that there were, you know, 15, 20 people that were constantly saying, well, we just have to wait till Joe tells us what to do. So, we finally said, there's no way to wait because Joe's not going to get back to you in time and we need an answer now. So well, Joe must have valued his sleep because <laughs> I remember working overseas and I stayed up late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, look, he, he definitely was one of those guys that was the founder that we're talking about. You know, he was going to take as many phone calls as possible, but if you're going to grow a global company and you're going to get to the point where eventually someone wants to buy you, then you know you have to set the company culture. You have to set the policy that you guys are being paid to make the decision. Make the decision. And step back. And step back. Even if the decision isn't the one you would have made, even if the decision turns out to be the wrong decision. Yep. And this is the hard part because sometimes you need to let people fall and scrape their knees. Yep. And if you're unwilling to do that, they're never going to learn. Because yeah. we learn through our mistakes, not through our achievements. And through the and through the points that we're talking about, you know, if you don't let them scrape your knee their knees and you're gonna take everything in there, when the valuation goes down later, you have nobody else to to hold off on that. There's nobody <laughs> else to blame for that. Your, you know, your valuation is going to go down because you don't have the infrastructure set up the way that a new buyer would want to see it. Exactly. Um, and that goes back to, again, repurposing yourself. So I brought up earlier, everyone has a purpose. Everyone wants to feel good, like they're feel, they feel needed. They feel like they're, they belong. Um, when you're stepping out of the company, your purpose is changing. And I don't think many owners realize that, nor do they plan for, for what's next after work. Um, you know, I, I hear from a number of owners, well, I'm going to golf every day. You really, really, you are. You're going to golf every day of the week 
put in, you know, 36 to 72 holes and you think this is going to be fun. Talk to me 30 days into that. And let's see how excited you are about golfing every day. Because I don't know about you, but after 18 holes, I, I get fairly tired. Yeah. Um, doing that seven days a week doesn't seem too appealing to me, and I enjoy golf. Yeah. So you really have to figure out what you're going to do with your time. Otherwise, what happens is you get reengaged. Uh, I remember when I was still in the workaday world, I was working for a company. I was brought in. Owner said, I want to step back. I don't want to do as much here. I want to buy my dream home. I want to be able to travel. I want to do the things that I want to do. I'm like, okay, great. We can work on that. And within about three years, I had got him exactly what he wanted. I got him, he got to build his dream home on his dream acreage. He got to step back in the business. He didn't have to worry about day-to-day -day operations. He didn't have to worry about being called or, or being uh, bothered by anything. He could go anywhere and do whatever he wanted. There's one thing I missed though. What was his new purpose? Because again, when you got the dream home, okay, are you going to sit in the dream home all day and stare at the walls and admire your, your achievements? No. Um, are you going to go out and do all your hobbies whenever you want? Well, that again is fun for a while. And then ultimately, again, that gets tiring. Mm -hmm. And he re-engaged with the business. And everything it took me three years to put together, he very quickly began to undo because it wasn't the way he wanted to do things. And by the time it was all said and done, and I finally said enough of this and left, we were basically back to where we started three years or four years earlier at that yeah. point. Um, you don't realize how much damage you can do until you do it. And, you know, that, that company, instead of continuing to grow, it completely ground to a halt and it, it shrunk since then. They're still in business, but it's much, much smaller than it used to be. Wow. Um, the, um, yeah, I, I have an example also of another client that was the same way, never changed the policy. Everybody just followed the owner and what they didn't realize was the owner was doing really bad financing deals on his equipment to keep the business alive mm. and uh, eventually wound up in bankruptcy and all those people went, uh Oh, <laughs> where do we go? Um, and so did the founder, he lost his house. So, you know, there's definitely advantage to putting some planning and some, and some brain power to understanding what you're trying to do, where your focus is, what you think your ultimate purpose is and goal is. And when you retire, what you're going to do and essentially get to the point where you say, I can let go. So, you know, they didn't do that, and it was an ugly story at the end. Then there's the next part of that. If you're going to let go, who are you going to let go to? Right. So if you're in charge and you need somebody else to be, who is that person? Is that person on your team? Mm -hmm. Does that person not exist in your company yet? What's your org structure going to be? Like we talked about, sometimes the owner is everything. He's the salesperson. He's the operations person. He's a finance person. He, he wears many hats and many times it's going to take a multitude of people to fill those hats once, once he decides to step back. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the next step after you find purpose is you need to look at your org structure and decide what, what that needs to be to continue the, the ongoing growth of the business. So without that happening, you're, you're again stuck in the water. Right. If you are experiencing high turnover, 
here's why you need to start asking some of these questions. Are you really letting go? Are you still actively involved? Are you trusting people to do their jobs? And most of the time I find that the answer is no on that. They, they just don't have the, the wherewithal or the trust in people or, or they make blind hiring decisions and then throw everything in that person's basket without any mentoring or coaching and then wonder why it completely blows up within a matter of months or years. Right. So there's, there's lots that goes into when you transition power, why it takes three to five years or better to actually make that goal happen. Right. Well, Steve Jobs didn't give, uh, didn't give power away, um, <laughs> you know, without a, a long succession, you know, setup. So Tim, Tim Cook, I think was in that COO position being groomed for years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this is even after he, he knew all his health issues. So he was more motivated, I think, because he knew there was, there was an end date to his ability to run the, the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of owners make assumptions that they will live forever. Yep. And even though they know that's not factually true, they continue to move their, around their life like they're invincible. And you know, we touched base on this on one of the other episodes where we kind of talked about natural disasters and also the unnatural disasters is what happens if something happens to you? Does the company go on or does it come to a grinding halt? And you need to factor all those things in when you are looking at succession, because back to some of your points about financial, if you don't have things in place, the financial value of your company dramatically decreases. And I, I believe for most people, when they start a business, when they get it up and running and when they get it successful, this becomes their retirement package. Yes. They put a lot of money back into the business. They, of course, take a lot of money and resources out of the business to support their lifestyle. But ultimately, they're looking at this company to be their their retirement fund. And if you can't pull that off, and especially if you're gone, and now this is the expectation for family members, your spouse, your kids, right. uh, if you don't have those things in place, it's going to be very hard to to pass that torch and, and make sure your family is taken care of. Absolutely. Um, and again, start early, <laughs> start early. You don't want to, because you don't want to believe that it's going to affect you, but one of one day or, or another, it's going to affect you. So you have to start thinking about it, at least a small amount in your, in your brain, let it rattle around a little bit and come up with something that you can actually put to paper. Exactly. So, What's your takeaway from all this, Rich? Um, I think I just said it. My biggest takeaway is start as early as you can to decide what is it that you want to get out of this. You you do have to get yourself out a little bit of the day-to-day mundane repeating, you know, thing that you do all the time. You know, it can be very gratifying. It'd be a wonderful life to be able to do all that. But somewhere along the line, we know it's going to end just for whatever reason. It's going to come to a point where you have to have the ability to go into something else. Could be golf, could be hobby, as you said, you know, it could be all these things, but you know, you really want to plan for that, understand what that balance becomes and understand how you have to get there because somewhere along the line, you have to exit from the business and be able to do those things. So trying to do that in nine months because you put your foot down on January 1st and say by September, I have to be out of here. It's unrealistic. And you're probably going to get a really bad surprise on, on the way out. <laughs> Very bad surprise. Yes. And, and for me, you know, similar to what you're talking about, start early. But for me, it's really get help. 
And as much as I would like to tell you companies or owners that you can quit cold turkey, you can just drop it, let everything go. There's a very small percentage that can do that, will do that, or know what to do to make sure that happens. So you really, shameless plug here for us, this is really a time when you need to find some outside resources to come in and, and be that third party, be the neutral person to look at what's going on and help you figure out how you step back and, and still maintain the company on a growth trajectory. Because if you don't do that, if you try to do it yourself, I know what's going to happen because I've seen it time and time again. And usually that's when when I get brought in anyway, is this is now the third time I've tried to step back. And now the clock is is really ticking and I need to get out of here and I don't know what to do. So that that to me is my biggest takeaway. Get help when you need it. Take time because it's going to take time. And it really requires a third party to come in and, and work you through that. So, Rich, should they actually take our advice and listen to this and actually want to get a hold of us, how would they get a hold of you? The best way to reach out to me is my email address at rveltry at veltrygroup.com. And you can get a hold of me at danpaulsonletsgo.com. You can watch other podcasts like this or listen to other podcasts like this if you go to booksandbiz.com, B-O-O-K-S, the letter N, B-I-Z.com. And you can check in on all the other wonderful things that we've been talking about over the past several weeks. It's hard to believe we're on, I think, about episode 16 or 17 at this point. So things are rocking along, and we will continue to talk more about succession in the upcoming episodes. Rich, thanks for time, and we will talk to you again next week. Same with you. Take care. All right. Take care.